Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Youth Perspective Podcast. This podcast aims to offer a fresh perspective on misinformation, youth activism, women empowerment in politics, and discuss current political and social trends. We're on Spotify, RSS, SoundCloud, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. My name is Keller Eady. I'm a program associate at the National Democratic Institute for International Affairs, and I am your host for today. This episode is organized by Call the Youth, the National Democratic Institute, and with support from the Frederick Nauman Foundation. We're joined today by Jeremiah Tomas and Brigida Olson. Jeremiah is a business economics graduate from the University of the Philippines, Diliman. He was active in the University Student Council, serving as the Ways and Means Counselor, in which he oversees the income generation and the external relations of the council. Currently, he assumes the role of Student Affairs Coordinator for the Youth Wing of the Liberal Party of the Philippines. One of his main roles is organizing student-led initiatives as expansions inside various universities. He regularly attends and speaks in workshops, conferences, and seminars. He is also called Youth's Secretary General since 2018. Currently, Jeremiah has been advocating and promoting mental health wellness through the movement Mind Care Club. Brigida serves as the National Democratic Institute's Director of Political Parties. Born in 1975, she has over 20 years of experience as a leader at the national level in political parties, political leadership, feminism, civil society, and foreign policy. She entered politics formally in 1999 when she was elected president of Liberal Youth of Sweden. In 2002, she was elected as a member of the Swedish parliament, where she served until 2018, serving in numerous leadership roles, including in the Committee on Foreign Affairs as her party's spokeswoman. Between 2010 and 2014, she was the Swedish Minister for European Affairs and Democracy Issues, serving as a strong international voice on gender equality, democracy, and LGBT rights. She has also been the president of the Women's Wing of the Liberal Party from 2007 to 2010 and founded an independent feminist network, the Lira, in 2003. With those introductions done, I think we're ready to start the conversation. Uh, welcome, Jeremiah, Brigida, how are you today? Thank you so much, Keller. Uh, uh, and it's amazing to be here together with, with you and with the uh, with our friends from Calde. And for me, it feels a bit like coming home because as Kelly described, I, I started my career uh, actually more than 25 years ago um, with, with the Liberal Youth in Sweden and I was the president for a couple of years. So I've been attending some of the events, meeting um, inspiring young liberals from HM and been, been in collaboration with them for many years from countries like Taiwan, Taiwan, Hong Kong, um, Singapore, and many of the other countries, and of course the Philippines. <coughs> Sorry, I've caught a cold. It's very rainy here in Stockholm, uh, but it's fantastic to be here. And and uh, I also just wanted to start off to, to just mention that that um, I mean we have work to do when it comes to getting young people active into Asian different political parties, no matter the ideology. And at NDI, we work with with all democratic parties, no matter the background, as long as they're democratic. But we have we have work to do when it comes to getting getting young people in Asia elected. Um, and I was just checking the statistics. So we know for sure that uh, 50% of the world population are under the age of, of 30, but only 2.6% of the global MPs in the world are um, are younger than 30. But look upon what's situation in Asia. In Central Asia, we have 318 
younger than 30. In South Asia, um, 2%, Southeast Asia, um, 1.8%, and East Asia, zero. So I think that hopefully many people, young people that listen to this conversation will do like, like Jeremiah Thomas and, and join a political party and especially use the youth wings as kind of a, a watchdog on the political parties to act more modern. Thank you so much, Brigida. And Jeremiah, would you like to say anything before we get started here today? Well, I'm very exi- excited and very delighted to be in the conference of uh, more uh, prominent uh, liberal fighters uh, around the world, the MBI. It's an inspiration when it comes to fighting for liber- liberalism and democracy here in Libya. And <clears throat> with Brigitte's uh, experience of more than 25 years, I think her experience is uh, older than me. I'm just 22 years old. I'm trying to learn a bit about uh, liberalism. And I hope uh, these conversations and um, our talk here today really that impact and that kindling um, of fire when it comes to fighting for liber- liberalism and democracy in the the world. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeremiah. And I have to agree here at NDI, we're all to varying degrees living in Brigida's shadow. So excited to be here with you both. All right. Well, today's topic uh, focuses on the modern challenges of campaigning, uh, particularly as they relate to the issues of polarization and how that affects uh, young people who are looking to run for office. Now, the rise of polarization and misinformation uh, have been heavily covered around the world. Uh, and particularly their influence on political parties uh, in campaigning has continued to grow uh, over the past decade or so. What trends have you two seen in your work in relation to polarization? Uh, and how has it affected political parties and young people? And Birgitta, you can go first on this one. Thank you so much. And I think what you first need to kind of acknowledge when we discuss polarization in the world that it's it's a global phenomenon. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a situation that we have from, from Duterte to, to, to Orban, from Putin to Ayatollahs in Iran, in China and Russia. It, it's happening all over the world right now. And uh, I think we have like a, just a few years ahead of us where we can stop this very negative headwind that we have. And uh, it's a global trend, but it's also, I think, affected them. Um, uh, affecting di- different nations um, in a variety of different ways, because some countries are more maybe um, used to, to to leaders that are using the populistic tools, that are using the the um, the very um, kind of easy sticks when it comes to politics. So so they may be be more kind of it's, it's not a big surprise for them when it's happening, but for some other countries. Maybe in the Western world, um, it's more like something coming up uh, and that has been quite a shock. Um, I mean, we've seen from the European context where I'm from, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in, in, in rainy Stockholm right now. We've seen that um, political parties at, uh, that are truly populist kind of shape the agenda. And uh, they were not existing in Parliament just like 10 years ago. And now they have like almost... Um, uh, a quarter of the votes um, in the elections, so it's very fast trends. But but just connecting and um, connecting a, a bit to, to your to your question um, to your question, uh, Keller. 
um, um, what we've seen is that um, uh, I mean, and yeah, we've been we've been working on this in in, in countries like um, like um, Turkey, Bosnia Herzegovina, and 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 quite many others, Yemen, Yemen too. Uh, but but what we've seen is the need to have kind of. Um, um, our own kind of defense system to build them, um, and that's what I what I think is kind of key. And there we have coalition-based governments and coalition-based coalitions in parliament, uh, where decent political parties that do believe in democracy and freedom can join up together. And that's something that we need to emphasize more in the coming years. We might have different opinions about economy. We might have different opinions about quite 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 a variety of different things. But but when it comes to defending democracy, we need to we need to unite together. So that's also something that's that's interesting. And as, as I mentioned, then we bring political partners together, no matter their, their background, if they're democratically committed uh, to build trust. And multi-partisan system is, is also key here, as I mentioned. And um, and before I give the floor to to um, to um, to uh, to Jeremiah Thomas, I also wanted to to highlight that that um, I think that the young generation is is extra important here because if you're not a bit idealistic when you're young and believing in strong values, you will never be that when you're getting older. So that's why I think it's so important that that decent democratic political parties are more inclusive when it comes to to young people and and women and different minorities uh, and that's a, that's also a, a, a struggle um, that we think is important so and what is well, your take you on so, this yes Thomas. thank you so much for please jeremiah and join in <laughs> well for for me um I haven't had that much experience, I guess, but then seeing the past few years, um, one of the things that affected um, the way politics worked in, in, in the Philippines and in some of the Asian countries is um, the rise of social media. So when, when it comes to these tools such as Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and all of these um, other tech-based uh, companies, I think in a way, it democratizes uh, information and power. And uh, in the Philippines, the penetration rate of uh, cellular phones and access to these kinds of uh, uh, applications is around roughly 75% or even higher, which um, has, has an unprecedented scale when it comes to um, informing the public about all of these things. What I'm really curious about is uh, when it comes to polarization, um, in your exp experience, Brigitta, has there been a time where it was uh, just like this, where in we see, in for example, in Thailand, we have the yellow shirts and the red shirts. In the Philippines, we have what you call Dilawan and the DDS. So these are... Um, what they, these were brought about by the people in power and in position because of the constant badgering, the constant labeling and the belittling that the current administration has in, in these respective countries. Um, the opposition was labeled or demonized and it, they were constantly, uh, we were constantly bashed and we were constantly labeled as uh, so-and-so and that created this um, what do you call that? That created this atmosphere wherein it was not conducive to to uh, conversation. It was this is my view, that is your view, and then from there 
it changed into this is who I am and that that is what you are and um, I don't like you so in in some way there's the the room for growth the room for um, talking about these things and growing growing uh, together was cut short and it, has that been uh, prevalent in in your time um, even without social media I, th I think you are raising a very important question and also one thing that that, that is relevant also to the work that we do at NDI and that's also to to create um, spaces for political parties, no matter if they belong to the governmental parties or to the opposition, to discuss political issues in, in a serious way. Because sometimes, I mean, we know when we have a populist climate and and, and politicians very often would like to take the easy way out uh, with, with short messages that, that fit into social media to the Twitter kind of format uh, and so on. And especially if it's polarized and especially if you're if you're a position in a country where you've had a very authoritarian leadership that might dominate the public service, that might dominate uh, the social media channels, that might dominate the whole kind of public uh, media climate, then uh, it creates a lot of frustration. Uh, I, I can totally, I can totally relate to that when it comes to your campaigning and, and to election preparation and so on. But what we have been trying to do that also in harsh climates, I'm not going to mention countries here, but also in harsh climates is to try to create spaces where people could meet. Uh, uh, and, and sometimes it's not like I'm talking about public meetings or, you know, media things or so on, but also create safe spaces where, where, where people from, from government, if they're willing uh, uh, to discuss with opposition and vice versa. So that's, that's something that I think that, that, um, that, that is kind of one, because one solution, because then the, the participants are kind of the owners of the conversation. Um, and, and it's not for the media or for, for the votes. It's more like trying to trying to identify what people have in common. But I know it's it's very hard. It's very hard when you when you work in a, in a climate when when it's not a, a a kind of fully mature democracy, then it's much harder. But also, I'm always very optimistic. Even even in the even in the countries where you have the toughest kind of fundamentalist regimes and and no democracy have ever experienced democracy. I'm always positive that you can identify agents of change in the system that wow. you could work with or that you could kind of change. I think that's awesome. We need to be. How do we identify those things? I mean, because I'm really interested in how um, other countries were able to do it. In the Philippines, um, our election is actually next year. So it's something that we're really concerned about. And uh, it, it really is uh, sickening that this, this matter of polarization, especially in the youth, it creates that divide. Um, people who were once friends on Facebook uh, now blocks each other and uh, destroys friendship just because of all of these uh, misunderstandings and uh, political issues, which I think is a pressing concern for the youth uh, today. I, I think, no, it, it's also very relevant duration. And, and I think Sometimes during such issues, I've been I've been following the Philippines for many years, and um, and and um, and um, and so on. And I I really know the context that you're working from. But sometimes then you need to try to have like game changers um, in the debate. Um, 
And also we know that uh, that um, that storytelling and owning kind of the the story that people are talking about and and, uh, and I mean I've been visiting the Philippines myself I, I've seen um, I've seen the results of the the, the current leadership uh, I've seen the frustrations I've met the civil society leaders uh, from a variety of, of different um, situations and so on so I think also to pick up to pick up stories that are relevant for people and and try to create strong political messages out of that and to kind of create a, a counter um not a counter attack but a kind of a countering story i think that that's very key to try to do that uh, during such kind of circumstances that 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 you and other other work from uh, and and uh, uh, it's not always easy to have like the kumbaya that you could sit together and then you can discuss them. Um, I think it was like Indira Gandhi that once said, "You cannot shake, you cannot shake your hand with someone whose fist is kind of like this." Um, uh, but but try to identify because I think also in, in such systems you you have people that are not fully one hundred percent supporting. Uh, the current regime or so on. But that takes that's a long term perspective. You need to work very long. You need to know people you need to establish relations you need to 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 figure out the ways out for people to 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 take another make another choice if i may jeremiah um i know at ndi we don't have the perfect solution to this question it's, i mean it's a massive issue but we something we do in our programming quite a bit is work through youth to bring political parties together and i think as the secretary general called youth you know you are in a great position to uh, tackle these issues as an organization uh, because we find bringing together young politicians um, when they're starting out their careers and having them work together across party lines tends to build sort of those lasting relationships that will carry on when those those younger politicians uh, become leaders, become MPs uh, and hold office. Uh, that's just a perspective that we have found successful although just like Brigitte said of course it is a long-term perspective but yeah and also yes to build short long what Keller just mentioned that uh, uh, I've been very insp inspired myself and I've had a conversation with the different political youthing organizations that we have to the big party internationals in the world I mean I obviously know if really well and and, uh, and Amanda Kanosh um, I've known her since many many years back um but I, what I what I find is so interesting right now is Keller also touched upon is that that, um, and this wasn't possible 10 or five years ago, that among the, the youth um, leaders of the political youth and organizations, it's a lot of interest uh, to do joint programs together right now. So I think also you can take your source from democratically committed parts in your own family, in your own ideological family from around the world by attending, if in your case. But I think also you can do that by kind of widening that scope and meeting also from other people that may share the same experience or, or have the same kind of background. So I think that's also, they have a bigger, bigger kind of, kind of background to, to, to work on. Great. Well, uh, with that said, let's take into consideration how polarization has been impacting elections and campaigns. Uh, as you mentioned, Jeremiah and the Philippines, for example, uh, and talk a little bit about what parties can do to protect their candidates and encourage young politicians, young leaders, young activists to run for office. Uh, what can be done to address this issue and what has NDI been doing, which I think we've touched on uh, briefly already. 
Uh, but I'll let you start this one, Jeremiah, if you'd like. So that's also one of the questions we have for God. What we try to do, um, I think, is to at least get these leaders from the Asian countries together uh, to come together to share their ideas. Um, looking at it in such a way that one country uh, who experiences fake news, for example, Taiwan, uh, back in 2018 uh, conference, that, uh, delegate from Taiwan already um, discussed what they were trying to do when it comes to the misinformation in their country. Um, and they were actually successful uh, fighting uh, misinformation and, and the polarization. But then when it, when it came to the Philippines, when we tried to apply the same technique, I think we fell short um, last uh, 2019 for elections. And I think um, that's something that has been uh, bogging us down for the longest time because here comes another elections. Uh, the way we would want the way we would want uh, to go to move forward is, uh, of course, to have more more youth join us. But then, because of the polarization that's happening, because of the labeling, uh, because of the political dirt they throw at us, there's a lot more people who are skeptical about being called liberals joining our party, and that has been a constant concern. Um, I'm, I'm particularly interested in in what other countries have done. Uh, do we need to change our color? Do we need to change our um, name, uh, to change the branding? Or do we just have to stand with what we are, accept it and move forward uh, so that they could see and we could prove to them that we're more than what they say. Yeah, we very relevant question. I think one thing that I always advise political parties when it comes to disinformation is to first to do their own homework because then you are so much better protected. And that's, I mean, all about, I mean, investing in, in, in cybersecurity, smart online strategies for campaigns. And I think also, I mean, by you being part of the, the Calde Youth um, and being part of Connected to Liberal International and to Ifri and others, you also have a... Um, you also have your networks to help you with this uh, that could give you good advices uh, on that. Uh, uh, so that's a very important to do your homework. That would be my first advice. And then as a feminist, I also would like to highlight because, I mean, we also have the, 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 the gender disinformation. We know that especially female politicians and young politicians, female politicians, um, have a very hard situation um, when it comes to threats uh, via internet and disinformation and so on. So that's also, I mean, uh, that could include threats, um, uh, misle misleading ins insults and so on, harassment campaigns and so on. I mean, fabricated rumors, stories. I mean, we've seen it in all, all parts in the West, in the North, in the South, in the East. Uh, so that's also something that we, we found that, uh, that we also need to have a feminist awareness, feminist awareness around this. And we've been working, for example, in countries like, like Indonesia, uh, highlighting this to 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 prepare to prepare women that that uh, that are running. It's like a gender and disinformation guide tool that we have. Um, but also, I mean, it's it's it, it, it's for it's it's for tougher as you describe when you are in a situation when uh, when your counterpart, when your when your opponent. Uh, uh, is controlling so much of the, the the social media structures and and the what is in in the classic old school media too, but 
also one third thing would be also to be kind of creative. Um, um, I mean, I, I've seen campaigns sometimes from, from political parties that, that do work in a very tough context when when you can kind of turn turn away around um, when people are misleading and uh, pretending that your political party has some kind of absurd opinion that you're not that you're not that you're not caring, but then to to almost like make a joke out of it to try to sh- change change the, the the story that people are discussing and that twist. If I may ask, what what do we do about, uh, for example, how do we strengthen the ideology, the way people have uh, are have uh, ground when it comes to believing in the party ideology because i'm not sure i'm not that uh, familiar with other countries uh outside of asia but there is a sense of personality politics where we're from and it's really hard to be in that situation because we have people joining us and then shifting to the next party after the elections whoever wins the presidential seat whoever wins the most most uh, number of uh, the congressmen just shift the party, and it 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 uh, it really is a problem when it comes to standing your ground because all of these politicians we have uh, to some extent I don't think they have principle, uh, and how do we develop that kind of leadership wherein you have your your boundaries and you have the things that you fight for because without the principle I think. Um, it's very problematic because it trickles down to how you do your policies, how you um, think about certain issues. And you just don't um, think about what's best for the country, but what favors you or the one in um, the presidential seat. Um, Actually, this morning, I I was part of this conversation with, with former prime ministers and presidents, uh, and we discussed leadership. And uh, it was interesting. One researcher said that, I mean, everyone is, not everyone, but many people are, are admiring Angela Merkel, and now she's leaving office and everything, uh, because she has been such a strong, strong European leader. And then another researcher said, well, she might be, be very popular in, in Germany, but she could never be elected as the president in the United States because then you need to be another type of leader. You need to be more, more, more extrovert. You need to be more flamboyant. You need to be more, 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 more. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. You need to be another type of character. You cannot be like the shy person. You need to be like, yeah, like a, almost like a, a, a show person. And so I think that's also interesting to, to see that dif- different different nations tend to breed different types of politicians. Um, but what is important for all politicians, no matter if they have like a strong classical ideological background or if, if they if they are more 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 built on other 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 backgrounds, and I would say I mean that democracy we need to deliver, and that's maybe the the the, the problem right now. And connecting to that. Um, um, I think also, I mean, it's not always easy. And, and, and in some countries, ideology and, and if you're right, if you're to the left or if you're, if you're at the center, it's very kind of crucial to your identity in some other countries. If not, it's not. But then you need to, to, to frame your messages. I mean, if it's around freedom or liberty or individual rights or what it is kind of your, 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 your creative or passion, you need to build your political 
proposals around that. Um, and I think if you if you continue to do that, people will kind of recognize your party. Uh, and just to quote Hans van Balen, who, who passed away early this year, who was a, a, a strong leader in, in Europe, he, he once said, if, if, if people do not recognize your party, they will not vote for you. So I think sometimes the kind of the, the party shopping that some politicians are doing, they join one party because they want to have a career, and then they go to another one. In the long run, I don't think it's successful. And I think that many voters could kind of see through that that kind of behavior. So I think it's 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 always better. I, I um, and that I learned from my 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 own years in, in politics that to kind of stick to your values um, because then you have the then you have the voters coming coming and voting for you every single election, and and you 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 build on your your trust. And, you have you have a more 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 kind of solid thing, and I know it's hard and it's different in different I mean traditions and cultures for what is emphasized, but I think that's that's still the right way to do. And one final thing here is that, and especially if you are a young politician yourself and you you're you're leading you're leading young liberals and uh, young liberals in Asia, I think it's important also to have a very hopeful view on the future, because what is what about makes people disappointed in most countries. It's that when they're not feeling that, that their, their children or grandchildren would have a better future. If they're feeling that the economy is going down, it will be less liberty, it will be a, be a, be a tougher situation. So you need to have something for people to look forward to. Not like a, like a dream society or so on, but just like paving the way for something better. I think that's extremely important. And politicians right now are just paving the world in very gloomy, gloomy colors. I think a lot of people are longing for something else. To quickly add to Pravita's point, uh, Jeremiah, this trend you're describing in Asia of personalized politics uh, in what we're calling non-issue-based politics is definitely not just a regional one. It's one we see in uh, all around the world in the countries NDI works in. Uh, our team actually recently released uh, some research uh, examining exactly this issue which is how can we work with our partners, political parties, uh, to and how can citizens work with parties to persuade them to be more issue focused or you know, focused on policies and positions as opposed to you know, having your, your strong personalities, um, which certainly that is important as well in some contexts. But um, the, the ultimate goal, I think, when we're working with our partners is to encourage them to focus on real policy issues that will uh, benefit their constituents. Uh, and what we found is, uh, well, a variety of things, but partnering political parties with civil society, for example, uh, for youth activists, uh, will sort of encourage them to focus more on policy issues uh, and will hold them accountable if they don't. Uh, and sort of doing civil doing these sort of community-based interventions uh, like say anti-vote buying campaigns for example uh, can really push parties to focus on the issues as opposed to you know just electing personalities over and over again as you mentioned but certainly it, it is a challenging issue and one we're, we're still working on well yeah i i would i would agree that uh it's something we still have to constantly uh, learn from. And I'm really uh, appreciative of the platform that we're having here today. You'll be able to hear about all of these things. Because in the Philippines, 
if you're an, if you're an actor, if you're a singer, if you're a boxer, you're a politician, um, and uh, that isn't really. I, I I don't really think that uh, that's the type of uh, politics that we'd want because the the interests of the people aren't um, what's given focus and it's more of the interests interests of the politician. At the same time, with the weak political parties, we also have weak institutions. We have over two hundred um, different political parties in our Congress, which is very problematic. Uh, maybe one of the reasons is funding. I, I don't know um, if that is uh, the reason because it's, it's not like um, other countries like Thailand or in the States that if your party gets uh, these number of seats, then they have this uh, budget to, to run on. Um, it's uh, basically political parties here are just vehicles for people to run under. Um, there's no machinery uh, and there's there's not really any base uh, for, for all of the parties except for maybe a few. And uh, hopefully someday we, we progress uh, to the point where we get to elect uh, the right leaders um, given any financial status or any position as long as we see that they are the best for the position um, the party gets to make them uh, win in their respective positions. That's a good point. Uh, Birgitta, if you have any comments, feel free. Uh, but otherwise, I think we're going to miss our next question here, uh, which is sort of building on the things we've discussed today. We've talked about polarization. We've talked about disinformation. We've talked about um, ideology, personality-driven politics. What, let's contextualize these topics. What does this mean for um, a young person interested in running for office? You know, how I, I would love to hear your perspective, Jeremiah, on what if you're considering running for leadership um, in, in, in your political party or running for office one day. Uh, what do you think about these issues and how do you think they'll affect your candidacy? Uh, and from Brigida's perspective, you know, what, what is NDI doing to help young people uh, address these things uh, and build sort of their, their personal skills and, and leadership capacity? Well, in the Philippines, um, if given the chance uh, and if I'm best fit for the position, I, I think I'd run. But the concern I would have is that I'm not from a political family. Um, I might not have the machinery behind me. I might not have the money to, to run. And uh, hopefully that's something we're trying to change with uh, Cal as well as with uh, liberal youth, um, building upon the, the individuals, uh, building the network, building the machinery through the grassroots movement that we have. <clears throat> hopefully in the future, we'll be able to uh, back people up regardless of their status, regardless of who they are, where they come from, and elect them to the positions because they deserve it, because they're the best fit for those positions. They're the ones who um, would uh, best represent the community. And I wish uh, I'd see that in my lifetime or be able to have that chance uh, here in the Philippines, but I think um, in in Tagalog uh, we say kahit papaano. Um, in English, I think that would uh, roughly translate into um, uh, just a, just a bit, um, even 
even with all the odds, we could do it just a bit. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I think Brigitte was right that we just have to keep our uh, idealism up and just continue to fight for what we're fighting. And uh, it really helps to have the network that we have. And I think once you immerse yourself in the type of um, ideology that you'd want to have, when you converse with people, when you um, engage in debates with them and strengthen your understanding and foundation of things, that's when you begin to realize that it's not only something that you live by each day. It's something that you'd want to see other people um, having. It's something that you want other people to have as well. Uh, when it comes to the strong institutions, democracy, uh, the true democracy uh, that we wish to have in, in the Philippines. And what you just mentioned is, I think, one of your, your key strengths, and that's the grassroots campaigning, because you can have a fantastic, strong grassroots campaign about to be about social injustice. It could be lack of, it could be human rights violations. It could be could be so many different gender. It could be minority rights or whatsoever. But if you have a very strong kind of political issue, um, you do not need to have a a, a single dime or dollar. Um, you could be extremely successful. I know it's 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 hard, but sometimes the that could be kind of the social movement of society if you are the one the driving force, the drive for democracy or the drive for liberty or freedom or so. So I think that's that's important. But what we do at NDI, I mean, of course, we work, I mean, our team uh, works a lot with directly with political parties to, to, to work on inclusion. And I always tell uh, it's for political parties, like reform or die. If you're not involving the, the young people, you're not attracting the future, and then you will have no voters. So, so it's extremely important because in, in many countries, uh, people tend to, to stick to the party that they're voting for when they're young. Um, not in all countries, but they, it's a lot about identity. So if you have a, if you are future oriented as a political party, and if you could relate to the things that young people are, are concerned around, it could be around climate change or democracy or or, or, or other things, and then you're more relevant for the, for the young people. So we work directly with political parties and we've had programs through the years and in, in, in like all, I would say almost like all countries that we work with, we've had different programs about political party leadership, about uh, with to, I always say to parties, win with integrity, but lose with grace. Um, to also to see how, how, how young people could be involved, involved in that. Uh, but it's important to, to also, yes, not only concentrate, because not all young people are, are like, like I was, or like you are joining a political party when we're young. I mean, most do not do that. So it's also important to, to look upon the civil society and, and where are young people in the in, in society. I was very happy when I was a politician myself, for example, when when some of the teen magazines did reach out to me to 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 ask me questions about um, about sexual harassment in school, or so I thought that was like my best audience because then I could could discuss uh, with a, a very often a very young female audience about things that were so relevant to them and what I was doing in Parliament to 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 to, to change that reality. And also another thing that has been very successful for us um, is also different virtual debates that we've been arranging uh, to discuss different public policy issues. We've had these debates in countries like like. Uh, Lebanon, Jordan, uh, Libya, and others countries that that do face a lot of challenges related to to, to democracy and and it's different debates, um, finalists, um, and so on. 
so so that's also that that could also be be be, be different kind of tools that that could use and also one final thing that I, that uh, we've been mentioning we believe a lot when it comes to believing in cross-party uh, work um, uh, and i think especially when we're living in the situation right now with the rising populism in our we're in the 15th consecutive year of decline in democracy in the world, uh, according to Freedom House. And we need to, to have the decent political parties then joining up together. And here, the youth are so important. Great. Thank you so much, Birgitta. Uh, it, it sounds like that, that cross-party work is definitely uh, a huge factor uh, for feeling partisan divides from our perspective. Uh, but ultimately, you know, Looking at the reality of the situation, Brigida, earlier uh, on the recording, you mentioned uh, some unfortunate numbers about how low um, the youth percentage is in, in parliaments in Asia. And I can confirm that we see similar trends all around the world. Uh, and so I, I guess my next question would be for both of you, you know, what sort of initiatives are NDI and, and called uh, doing to uh, tackle this issue essentially to help young people uh, run for office, uh, to help young people get involved in politics without having, you know, the money, as Jeremiah mentioned, or the political connections. Uh, because ultimately, without recruiting uh, new young people into the party landscape, as you said, Virgita, you know, those are the future of politics uh, in, in those countries. So. I'll let you start with you on this one. First, it's all about creating platforms for young people inside political parties. Um, I mean, it's one of our key programs right now and it's around women integrity about political party integrity. And that's inclusion is one of the key parts of that of that, of that program. So that's one thing to, to try to create platforms. And I'm not now talking about meaningful platforms that sometimes political parties may be interested to have young people you know joining before the elections uh, you know being like campaign workers uh, uh, but not um, but not on the list and and we think it should be meaningful power so that's one of the things that that, that we have been focusing on and I also hear um, we were discussing about trends when it comes to to, to young people in, in, in parliament selected officials. I think one 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 tool that has been very successfully worldwide, at least where I come from, is the political party, the youth wing organizations. I mean, um, um, I mean there is a reason why we have so many young people in the Scandinavian parliaments, um, and, and one of the reasons is that we have very active political youth wing organizations that are also quite independent um, and that are acting as watchdogs to the parties. Uh, they could. Uh, I read an article in the newspaper today when one of the young female leaders of one of the political youthing organizations said that that the leader of her party had no ideology, was kind of lost out of touch to the ideology or so, was very hard language. And she can do that because that's kind of her role and criticizing the party that is, is in a tough situation right now. So I think that also creates a lot of strength. So that's also one one tool that 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 we try to to to, to emphasize. And then of course, I mean, all the work that we're doing, uh, um, uh, trying to to develop um, leadership skills uh, for young people that are interested into politics, no matter if they're inside a political party already or if they're part of a civil society organization. Um, I mean, we've been doing that in a lot of countries in, in the region, in Papua New Guinea, uh, Sri Lanka, Nepal, the Philippines, and others. So, so that's that's also important. Thank you, Jeremiah. 
So maybe learning from NDI and from the <laughs> in uh, Germany, we also have what we call the CAG Youth Political Academy. It's where we invite um, young MPs, young uh, political leaders from the various parties in Asia. Um, and uh, we come together and have a sharing session, have this training when it comes to different types of issues. We've had um, trainings on how to fight disinformation given by one of the most uh, distinguished uh, members of um, the cabinet in Taiwan, Audrey Tang. And uh, we've also gotten uh, a visit, the previous prime minister of Thailand to come and uh, speak with us and uh, discuss about these things. And I think uh, it starts from there. It starts from the conversations. It starts from the... Um, uh, friendships and as we go by each day, um, supporting each other in our, in our various fights in our localities, it starts from there when we can see that we could draw strength from each other, um, not only in our own countries but in the region and uh, in the world as well. Uh, we've been we've been invited to Iflery um, to to join them and participate, and it's it's been very in insightful because. Uh, that gives us the sense of relief that knowing that we're not alone um, in our fight against uh, authoritarianism and all of these things uh, badgering Asia. And I think uh, throughout the years, ICE, uh, all eyes has been on, on our region particularly because of all of the um, attacks on democracy, the constant attacks that are here. And... Um, I think that's where we need to draw strength from our partners abroad. Uh, if we could, if we could, if we can find it here in the Philippines or in Asia, then we find it in the in America or in Europe, and uh, we continue the fight each day. Um, it, it is tiring. It is stressful. Um, we're betting our our lives. We're betting our. Um, reputations uh, to fight for liberalism and democracy in the region. And uh, it is fulfilling to see um, the fight continuing. Because uh, just, just to share, uh, maybe three years ago, there were only five of us in the Philippines, uh, members of the liberal youth. Now we're at least in the hundreds um, and slowly growing. So that's something to be thankful for as well. It's very impressive, Jeremiah. And it's an important fight indeed. Uh, and one organizations like MBI, you know, it's up to us to step up and give you that support that you mentioned. Uh, so with that said, uh, as we come to the end of our session today, uh, I want to give you all an opportunity to sort of reflect on our conversation uh, and, and close out the conversation with any advice you would have for young people uh, moving forward. Uh, particularly as they run for office, but really in any aspect of navigating political life and any other concluding uh, remarks you might have, um, any, any bits of wisdom you'd like to share. You can start if you'd like this time, Jeremiah. Um, maybe to my fellow youth, uh, maybe um, let us not lose hope uh, in the battle. I think uh, everything is um, happening for a reason and uh, in its own time. This this time we're being attacked, we're being constantly uh, threatened by all of these um, issues and problems. But there's a lot of things that we can learn, and it builds character, it builds our strength, and it builds the 
um, belief in the ideology ideology that we have, and um, victories are won are are sweeter if the the fight is harder. So I think that's something to be um, happy about, and I'm really really thankful for uh, the discussion and seeing Brigitta, um, who has been fighting for for democracy for most of her life. Uh, if it's something that I could uh, live up to, then uh, I think that would be a worth worthwhile uh, fight and a worth, worthwhile life. Yeah, soon enough, Jeremiah, you'll be on the other side of the podcast table. <laughs> I look forward to returning one day for that. Uh, Virgita, please, please go ahead, share your thoughts. Mm. Thank, thank you so much, Jeremiah, for, for your kind words. And, and yes, to allude what you just said, um, I mean, be optimistic. Remember that you're on the right side of history and, and never lose your hope. I think that's extremely important. And, and then as I always say, it's the eye, and I think it's, it's very relevant right now when the half of the world population are running to the cinemas watching the new James Bond movie. I'm always, I'm always saying, to paraphrase James Bond, democracy might be shaken but not stirred. Um, uh, I think it's important to see that. I mean, we know that democracy has been has been shaken during the last years, but but not deeply enough to kind of change our our behavior, our way of thinking. So I think that's so important to 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 keep that torch alive for all of us that that do believe that that um, that the world is full of freedom and democracy is going to is going to happen in all countries in the coming years. Well, thank you both uh, so much for joining us today. Uh, I really appreciate the conversation we've had today. I think we have a great perspective on, on the issues affecting youth and what young people can do in the future. Uh, so that's it. Again, this, this podcast episode is organized by Call of Youth, uh, Kilosko Youth, and with the support of the Friedrich Nauman Foundation. Uh, see you again next time.